Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen, we all love it when the stories, we all love it in the stories, when the hero's bumbling sidekick finally gets it right. Wouldn't you agree? We all like it at times. And I was thinking this week, well, what, what kind of sidekick, what kind of, where, where does that, and, and, and I couldn't come up with anything, but what I did keep coming to mind, and, and I know I'm going to lose half of you because of my age, but I remember watching Gilligan's Island. Anybody remember that? Yeah, Gilligan's Island, right? And every week we'd sit down, and if you recall the first, we're in black and white, but we would be rooting for the castaways to get saved. I don't know how they ended up on a three-hour tour. There they were, lost in the middle of nowhere. Nobody could find them. And I would root for them. Come on, they got to get... But it was frustrating. Why? Because because of Gilligan, right? (laughs) I mean, he would often trip over, run into the very signal that the gang, the castaways, was hoping to be rescued. It was always... He was the... He was the bumbling sidekick. And I don't know about you, but many times as I sat through the 21-minute episode of Gilligan's Island, it would be so frustrating for 98 shows, Gilligan, right, was the one, if not the main cause, for them not being rescued. And many times in my mind as I sat there, I would think, why don't you just tie that dude up? Why don't you just tie... Wait, listen, he's going to be rescued too, but why don't you just tie him up. But then one day, if you recall, the very bumbling sidekick of the skipper got it right. He got it right. Well, of course, it wasn't until 1978 when they made the TV movie Rescued from Gilligan's Island. So they finally got rescued, and it was like, woohoo, we all rejoiced only for them to have this reunion, get on a ship again, and then get shipwrecked on the same island, which doesn't make any sense, right? Because listen, if I get shipwrecked once, I ain't getting on a boat. That's just not going to happen. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. As we come to Matthew 21, guys, day one of the Passion, we have a very similar story. You're going, what do you mean? The Matthew 21 is about Gilligan's Island? No, no, no. Listen, listen. Jesus' followers, the disciples, even you and I, you go, ah, yeah. Here's what they've been doing. If you follow the Gospels, for months they have, uh, they've been doing their share of what? Sticking their feet in their mouths, saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Not having enough faith. I mean, they've even prevented kids, children from coming to Jesus and getting a blessing. And of course, you'll never, you recall, they were always bickering about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Well, Finally, Jesus, right, finally they get it right when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on this climatic day on the death of, and the death week of his resurrection. Well, Jesus pulls out all the stops. You go, what do you mean? Well, just kind of keep in mind, he calls himself Lord in verse 3. He's letting the people openly proclaim him as King and Messiah, well, the attitudes and the words and the actions of Jesus' followers during the triumphal envy have a what? A delightful example of how you and I should be. This is what we should be like as Christians. Now, whenever you do a topical study, 
a lot of times you go, now, remember what we've talked about. Well, this is a topical study, so I've got to set the stage a little bit, okay? Here's what I want you to do. Let me set the stage with you in mind, okay? Everybody, I want you to put on your sandals and go back with me to 30 AD. Now, you didn't have shoes, you had sandals. You're the age you are right now, but it's 30 AD, okay? This is what it would be like typically. You are a Jewish peasant living among occupied Israel. Your father was basically a sharecropper. He farmed a tiny bit of land, and you tried to live off the tiny amount that was left over after the Romans and the corrupt tax collectors took almost everything. You guys tracking with me? So there you are, and you're going, listen, we have this tiny piece of land we're farming, and by the time the Romans come in and the corrupt tax collectors, you guys basically lived... Well, you, you guys have been living a starvation diet for most of your life, as well as the entire village. You're going, okay, I'm with you. You neither read or write, but you've sat at the feet of your rabbi all your life as he tells stories of the days of the Maccabees, where heroic, larger-than-life guerrilla warriors fought against the occupiers, and listen, for a time they won. They had God on their side. They had proven what the scriptures have always said. God is on your side. A little tiny army against, against all odds can defeat a huge army. Only now, listen, you're back in that same situation. Roman occupied oppressed Israel. Everybody with me? Roman occupied. No fun. Not good. Taking your stuff. It would be like if somebody just walked into your house and said, I'm taking this. And you're going, no, I've worked really hard for my TV. I would like this for my kids. And they say, we don't care. We could sell it at the flea market and get money. Sorry for you. And you would be so, and there was not a thing you could do. You would say, well, I'm going to call the police. And you go, go ahead and call them. They're right behind me. Oh, not only that, but you go, okay, I have a little savings. Maybe I could buy a TV. And then here comes the IRS. Hey, we heard you had a little savings. Give it up. You go, well, I'm only supposed to pay so much in tax. Yeah, but uh, I, I want some for me. You would be so frustrated. You guys with me? You'd be so frustrated. What would you do? There'd be nothing you could do. There would be nothing you could do except then you heard. Wait, I, I heard of a man, a great man, and people are talking, and they're saying he's the one. They're saying that he will deliver Israel. He heals people just by touching him. He even rose a man from the dead, and today, today is the Passover feast, and he's coming to Jerusalem with his followers. Today, just as the Holy Scriptures predicted, just as the rabbis have been saying all our lives, today is the day when he's going to enter the city and a cloud of witnesses and a host of angels will descend upon the Romans. I know what's going to happen. He will command legions of angels and Rome will finally be driven out. We can go back to peace. Can you imagine? Could you picture the hope? Could you imagine? You'd be like, finally, somebody, somebody's going to come in and lead us and lead. Because listen, we're tired of being oppressed by the Romans. Romans are tough. They were the big bullies. They were mean and ugly. And now you have a, a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope. This is amazing. This is amazing. Now we have a reason to hope. 
You see, just a few days prior, a few years prior, you'd go home and you'd sit at the dinner table and you'd probably cry because you had no hope. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, I guess we're just, this is how it is. This is how, this is our lot in life. This is what God is doing for us. And, and now you go, there's hope. There's hope. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that's where we pick up our story. This is the hope they're hoping for. And if you're taking note, guys, I want to give you five things that the disciples did in getting it right. Five things that they actually did. Now, now again, finally, after all that, 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 that Jesus taught them, they're going to get it right. Five things they're going to do right, okay? Now, number one, okay? Number one, they obeyed Jesus' command. You need to write that down. They obeyed Jesus' command. Now, I don't know about you, but if you look at throughout Scripture, obedience is very key in Scripture, they obeyed. You go, what else did they do? Number two, they recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of God's word. And they welcomed him. So they recognized. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just a prophet. They're going, this is God. This is God. Number three, jot this down. They gave their resources to Jesus. They gave their resources to Jesus. Number four, very key. You ready? They worked together in harmony. In harmony. You see, prior to that, they they were they were at, at their wits end at each other because they were like, "Who's uh, Jesus? Here's my mom. My mom. Here, uh, Jesus, can my boy sit at your right hand and your left? And I mean, who's going to be the great? And then now all of a sudden they're, they're at, and, and they say, no, 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 no. Listen, here's where they're going to get it right. They're going to work together in harmony, in harmony. Number five, jot this down. They confessed his name and they spread the good news. They confessed his name and they spread the good news. Just in case you miss it, I'm going to go over again a little bit slower. They obeyed Jesus' command, obedience. They recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of God's word. They gave their resources to Jesus. That's going to be important. They worked together in harmony and they confessed his name and they spread the good news. Here's my heart. Listen, church, as we get ready to go into Holy Week, this is the Holy Week, okay? My prayer is this, that as a church, that we would do these things, first of all, this week. That we would purpose to do these things. The five things that the disciples got right. That's what I want to see you do this week. Second, that they would remain a big part of our lives. You see, we don't want to do them, and then come Easter Sunday, we're like, we're done, all right, let's go back to, that we go, no, this is what I want to do. These are, these are things that I need to be put in my life, okay? Matthew 21, that's where we pick up our story. Go with me to verse 1. It says this, now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent his two disciples. Your attention, please, just let me give you some information. Beth Page is about a village half a mile east of Jerusalem. Okay, if you go with us to Israel, 
you can go walk up there and you can actually see this little city. It's about a half a mile. You can actually look down. If you can, if you say, well, Pastor, I can't get on the internet. I can't go to Jerusalem, but I can get on the internet. Well, go up to where it's, where you're overlooking all of Jerusalem, where you can see the Dome of the Rock and you can see the Eastern Gate. You are probably in Bethpage right there. A little bit, a little bit, right? In the Mount of Olives. Jesus is coming. Well, where's he coming from? Well, the Bible tells us that he's coming from the Jordan Valley up in Jericho through the hills to Jerusalem. So he's coming up through Jericho. The one thing, as you would be thinking, my Bible students will go, isn't that where the Samaritan got robbed and was was beaten half dead? Exactly. Here comes Jesus and his disciples. He had been telling them, we're going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. They don't hear. They have what we call selective hearing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like... My husband has it. Selective hearing. He's been telling them, I'm going to die. He's been telling them, I'm going to resurrect. They don't hear anything. Peter, no, you're not, Jesus. No, you're not. I'll die with you. And the other guys are like, we must too. You know, I mean, they're, they're excited, but there they come, right? And the Bible's going to tell us just a little bit later on that our king is coming. Our king is coming. Much like Jesus will descend into Jerusalem right through, right here in the Passover feast, one day the Bible tells us in Thessalonians, he is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to go first. So if you're ever by a graveyard, that's going to trip you out first and foremost. Right? You'll be like, ah, the dead guy, you know? And then he says, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up. To meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible says, okay? That is biblical. That's what I stand on. So we know that our king is coming. Can I get a good amen? amen. We also know that he's going to come, and it's, he's talked about what, it, what is called as the second coming. The second coming. Here's what I want you to see real quick, okay? Then he's going to come to earth to rule and reign. This is known as the second coming. And according to Zechariah 14.4, it says this, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move to the north, and half the mountain will move to the south. When Jesus comes back in the second coming, he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and there's going to be a huge earthquake. And the Mount of Olives, you go, well, I mean, no. Church, listen, when you go to Israel and you see the Mount of Olives, you're going to go, wow. Wow. It's going to be amazing. But here's what I find interesting. There's a prophetic, there's, there's some prophecy saying that, that when Jesus comes back, there's going, to, there's going to be life in the Dead Sea. Anybody ever hear that? And you go, the Dead Sea, it's all dead. Well, here's the thing. There's water under the Mount of Jerusalem that when he steps, and it, there's going to be a huge river that flows from the Mount of Olives straight into the Dead Sea. Fresh water, it'll be so much that there could be life in the Dead Sea. So you're like, cool, cool. So he's coming back. Everybody see that? He's coming back. Now, he sends his disciples on a journey. Look at verse 2. He says, guys, go, saying to them, go to, into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them 
and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, the Lord has needed them, and immediately he will send them. I draw your attention to these verses. Guys, look, something that I found very interesting. All of our lives, we've always just focused on on a, you know, 2,000 years ago, a little donkey Jesus rode into Jerusalem, which is amazingly true. But I want you to see something here. He says, guys, go into the village, and immediately you will find a, help me church, a donkey and a there's two of them. And then how do you know? Well, he says, loose who? Loose them. I was like, there's two. There's a, there's a mama and a baby. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And he says, if anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord, the Lord. If you have a pencil handy and you're not afraid to write in your Bible, underline that. Why? Because remember, every time something happened, you are the Lord. He goes, shh. Don't say it. Don't say it. You're going to cause a problem. Well, now he's going, you tell them the Lord. The Lord, right? Needs of them. Now, don't you find this story interesting? These guys are just going to go to a village and take somebody's donkeys and colt. You know? I mean, it's just like, okay, uh, yo, Jesus, um, you just want us to go up and, and, and go right here and, you know, that's like me going to go and take Anthony's truck. I mean, it's just right there. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to, you know, somebody said I could have this and here's the key. I mean, that's, he, well, if Anthony asks you, what are you doing getting in my truck? Say, the Lord needs it. <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly in our day and age, right? They're going to be policemen or at least guns or something. But anyways, that's neither here or there. But Jesus, guys, he says, go do this. Now, here's what I want you to know, okay? First thing the disciples got right. First thing, you go, what is it? They obeyed Jesus. They obeyed Jesus. It was Thomas Akempis who once said, quote, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Whoever strives to withdraw from obedience withdraws from grace. Busted can't be trusted right here. You go, why? Because we think that delayed obedience is still obedience. It's not. It's disobedience. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Last Yesterday, right? Yesterday. I'm sitting on my recliner. It's about 5.30, just about relaxed, right? Natalie comes and she goes, honey, the neighbor's wife is pushing a tr- the, the husband's truck. Go out and help her. Now, I jumped out of the chair and went out because, I mean, we're there to help. But here's what I was thinking. If I would have sat there and said, what? Why is she, why is she pushing that truck? Why is she pushing? What's going on with this? I don't understand. Are you sure? Are you not just seeing something? And then if I would have gotten up and then said, okay, I'll go check. Would have that, would that be obedience, church? Well, I think so. I did it. So why do we do that with the Lord? Delayed obedience. Delayed obedience. Some of you have kids. Take the garbage out. That's all I'm asking you to do. Take the gar. <sighs> ah! Could you take the garbage out? All right. And then they go, right? And they get it. Now, now, now hold up. Now, don't just take the, the one under the sink. 
go around and get all the other trash. What? Are you serious? I thought brother was supposed to do that. And then they get it. And here's what they do. And here's what makes you mad. Right, parents? They drag it. You guys don't want to... Yeah. That's not obedience. Right? And then they take it. They leave the milk all the way through because your husband didn't empty the milk and threw it in the trash. And there it goes through the house, out the door. And then they come to you and they go, where's my allowance? I did what you said. Ooh. Mm-mm. Here's what the, here's what the disciples did, right, guys? They instantly obeyed. Hey, go get that donkey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here's my prayer. This week, church, this week, this week, Holy Week, Passion Week, can we be sensitive to his leading? You go, how are we going to do that? Well, let me just say this. Throughout the Bible, they often proclaim a fast, a fast, so we can be sensitive. Now, for some of us, we go, okay, um, I mean, I mean, what, what are the fasts? What are the fasts? Let's see what, what, let's see what they are. Oh, here they are. Here they are. Look at that. You have a complete fast. There are some of you that go, okay, I'm not going to eat anything, right? I'm going to drink water. I mean, and you can do this for a day. You can do this for three days. You can do this for five days, whatever it takes. You're not going to eat anything, just water. Here's what I recommend. Tell your spouse. Okay? Cause she's there. You know, she's cooking. You come home, you go, Oh, by the way, honey, I'm on a fast. Are you serious? You see what I just made? Tell, hey, listen, I'm fasting. You got that, right? You can do light juices, or I'll tell you what works really good. If you are going to do the complete fast, you can go and you can get you the chicken broth. Chicken broth. And you can just warm that up. It's, I mean, and you can drink that, and it's, it's really good if you're doing the complete fast. Partial fast. No food during specific times. Well, I, I, I picked this one because I won't have any food by the time I go to sleep and by the time I get up. That's a, no. You do that all the time unless you're a sleep eater. I don't know. You're, I mean, some of you in the refrigerator like this. What are you doing? You pick specific times. I'm going to fast breakfast. I'm going to fast lunch or whatever it might be. You guys with me? And then there's a selective fast, which I think is, is, is harder. Why? Because, because you can remove certain elements from your diet. You go, I have no problem removing what? Sugar, breads, I don't care. Coffee. Try not having your coffee in the morning. Bless you. It won't be a fast anymore. Yes, yeah, did you see? I mentioned coffee. She's like, got you! How about social media? How about a soul fast? Now listen, for some of you, you don't have a problem. You're like, I don't even get on Facebook. I don't even know whatever. But if you, but some of us have a problem. Some of us, we, we're going to need to go to social media rehab or something, right? <laughs> awesome. What's your point, Pastor? Here it is. When we do these things, we are a little bit more sensitive to God. It's not that we want God to do something, but when he says, hey, go talk to that person. Hey, go share that. We're sensitive, right? And when we do, we can be what? Help me, church. First time obedient. First time obedient. That's what, that's what they got right. We're just obedient. We're just obedient. 
Here's a side note I told you a little bit earlier. Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone asks, tell them the Lord has need. This is the first time. The word is kurios, guys, and it means supreme in authority, God. That's what it means. He's God. So what's he saying? He goes, if anyone, if anyone says, hey, why are you taking that? Say, God needs it. And he's referencing himself to the Lord. He's the Lord. He's God. He's God. Okay? Verse 4. All this was done that... It might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, lowly sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. Okay, if you're taking note, jot this down. Jesus was fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9, okay? But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that he says, Your king is coming to you. Your king is coming. Now, what do we think? Let's be honest. If Jesus is coming, if he is our king, he should be coming on a stallion. He should be on a horse. I mean, this is our king. Remember the mindset, right? Think about this. Remember the mindset. The mindset is Roman is all over our case. It's oppression. I want to just get rid of Rome. If I could punch Rome in the face, I can't. They're so strong. Now we have a king. We have a king. Our king is going to come with a mighty army. He should be riding a horse, right? But it says that he's going to be riding a donkey. A donkey. Why is he riding a donkey? You see, Jesus came, guys, to Jerusalem in humility, yet with appropriate dignity. Instead of coming in a horse as a conquering general, he came on a colt as customary for royalty. He came to Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace. Now, here's what I want you to grasp. Over in John chapter 12, verse 16, it explains that the disciples didn't put all of this together until after Jesus was resurrected, right? You know, you ever hear that saying, I may be slow, but I get there eventually? That's exactly what the disciples did. They're like, what? And then after he resurrected, they're like, hey, Zachariah! Hey, oh, hey, oh, I get it now. <laughs> Jesus is in heaven going, oh, he you pick these, the angels are like, you pick these dudes? Yeah, they're good. It's okay, watch. It'll be all right. That's how I feel. Anybody feel like that? So he's going to be coming in a donkey. So his disciples went and did as he commanded. Mark mentions, check this out, that sure enough, there was a donkey tied, right? Right there by the door of the first house. Mark 11, 4 through 6. This leads me to believe that that Peter, who gave Mark the detail all of this kind of kind of leans towards like maybe Peter was one of the disciples who was actually asked to go do this. And I thought that's interesting. And you go, what's the what's the application? There's none. Just thought I'd throw that out there so you have. It just kind of go, oh, Peter might be one of them. Cool. Verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt. How many church? Two. Lay their clothes on them, set Jesus on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down the branches from the trees and spread them on the road. What is it called? Palm, Palm Sundays, right? These are branches, not your palms right here, okay? So they weren't doing this. They, it was palm. Now, here's what we need to grasp. All this was due to honor Jesus as the great triumphant person coming into Jerusalem in the season of Passover, Here's the second thing we need to know. Here's the second thing we need to know that the disciples got it right. You ready? 
they recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of God's word. First and foremost. Why? Because here's what Matthew Henry writes. They put their garments under him in a token of subjection to him. Note, those that take Christ for their king must lay there all under his feet, their clothes, a token of heart. They were hereby taught to contrive how to make Christ welcome, Christ in his grace, Christ in his gospel, into the hearts and the houses. How shall we express our respects to Christ? What honor and dignity shall be done to him? Guys, what did they do? They recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of God's word. Let me say this to you. That is going to be one of the enemy's primary target in the world, is to get us not to recognize who Jesus is. That's what he wants to do. He wants to keep people blinded. You go, well, pastor, what's the point? This week, when you go out and you share and you invite, keep in mind that there's a lot of people that are blinded to who Jesus is. Let me take a step further. There are a lot of people, church, listen to me, they know a lot about Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They know a lot about him. They might even know more than you about Jesus, but they don't know him intimately and personally, and, it, and, and they're blinded. And they're blind. Think, keep that in mind, guys. Don't go out there and go, man, I, I tried. And that, that's where the frustration comes. I tried witnessing. I tried sharing with the waitress over at the, at the cafe. And, and I mean, she's just like, I know Jesus. And she got it. And she got all upset. Here's the problem. The problem is a lot of people, they know about Jesus. They don't know him. And so we have to have a heart of compassion and going, oh, may you, may, may, may the blinders come off so you can see who Jesus really is. We need to see that he is the Messiah that he is fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man. Oh, how important it is, guys, for each one of us to recognize that Jesus is the fulfillment of his word. He is. There is none like him in history. Well, what's their response, guys? Well, notice. Then the multitudes who went before And those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. If you're taking note, the crowd is actually quoting from Psalm 118. A song traditionally sung by the Israelites as they went up to the temple to worship. God at Passover in which was recognized as a prophecy about the Messiah. So what they're saying is, he is the Messiah. They recognized Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Guys, Luke chapter 19 verse 37 tells us that the people were telling all about the miracles that they had seen Jesus do. And over in John chapter 12 verse 17 mentions specifically telling about Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So not only are they saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blesses he who come in the name of the Lord. They're going, and you won't believe what I saw. We were sitting there and I saw this dude. He was just a kid and he had a little lunch. He had just a few. I mean, it couldn't feed more than one. And we all ate, and I couldn't believe it. And I saw the disciples, they were getting stuff, and it was a miracle. And I was full. I was, I was Golden Corral full. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, yeah, it's when, it's when you're going to get your $11 worth, no matter what. You know, because it's like, look, I pay $11, I'm going to try everything. 
They were full. And so they're tripping. They're saying, oh, look at look what I saw. I saw people. And by the way, John says, and, and we, saw him, we saw him raise a guy from, I mean, it was Lazarus. And, and it was a crazy thing because he had already been dead. And, and his sisters are like, dude, he stinks. Don't open the, don't, don't, don't roll away the stone. And Jesus is like, roll away the stone. And here he comes in his grave clothes, right? We saw, I mean, I wouldn't believe it unless I saw it with my own eyes. And so they're talking about all of this, and you go, well, what are they? In the midst, they're singing what? Hosanna. What does Hosanna translate to? The Hebrew expression is cry out for help. It's save me. Save us now, Lord. Save us. That's what they're saying. Save us. Doesn't it remind you of Peter when Peter was drowning? Right? What did Peter say? Lord, save me. Lord, help. Save. I'm drowning. When he got out of the boat, right? Same thing. Hosanna, save us. Essentially. Okay, now, in your minds, put your thinking caps on, everybody. What are they asking Jesus to do? Are they asking Jesus to save them spiritually from bondage and hell? Or are they asking to save us from Rome and the oppression? You go, Ben, I never saw that before. They're asking Jesus to come in with his mighty army and and kick Rome out. This is why, this is why, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're going to be saying crucify him. They have been tricked, they have been duped to think Wait a minute, this was supposed to be our general. This was supposed to be our mighty men. This was supposed to be our leader. And now he's getting whipped. He's got a, he, he's getting beat up. He's gonna, he's gonna die. Crucify him. He, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. You see, oh, this is good. This is good. Just because we misunderstand who Jesus is does not make him Less of our God. They misunderstood completely, and yet he was still God. They just missed it. And a lot of times we miss it. We misunderstand what he's doing in our lives. And right away, we're like the same crowd. Oh, we might not be saying crucify him, but I'll tell you what we are saying. I can't believe Jesus would do that to us. I thought I, thought I was his follower. I thought he loved me, and I just, I don't, I don't know. God, is this is what you do to, to, to guys like me? Is this what you do to us? I mean, we try to serve you, and now look, we got this problem and this problem and this problem, and we got over here, and and what do we say? I don't understand. Well, the Bible's pretty clear. His ways are not our ways. He doesn't think like us. And then when we come through it, everybody come through it? When we come through it, we go, oh, <laughs> That worked out so much better. That worked out so much better. You know, John chapter 12 was saying that, that it was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It could be that Lazarus is there. I'm pretty sure. You know what? If you get raised from the dead, you're going to follow the dude that raised you from the dead. Right? Just in case something else happens. <laughs> You know, you go, why? Here's why. Listen, because when they, when they raised Jesus from the dead, you know what the religious leader said? Let's get together and see how we can kill him again. I mean, that's their thinking. You just raise somebody from the dead, and your thought is, how are you going to kill him again? Doesn't make sense, does it? 
Pretty interesting stuff. You go, well, what's the third thing? You ready? The third thing the disciples got right is they gave their resources to Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. They gave their resources to who? To, uh, help me again. To who? Jesus. Why is that important? Because a lot of times, guys, when God tells you to give, there's a couple of things. Number one, he's going to tell you to give sacrificially. That means you ain't got it in the bank. It means you're trusting God. He wants you to give sacrificially. But he also wants you to give to Jesus. And you go, well, I can't write a check to G-. No, when you put a check in the agape boxes, when you give an offering, you in your heart are saying, God, this belongs to you. They gave their resources to Jesus, trusting that the organization or the church you give that to is going to take it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, I've been, I've been duped before. I've given money and they've not used it right. You, who'd you give it to? Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. Give it all to Jesus. It all belongs to him anyway. And that's the one thing they did. They, they, what? They just gave it, they just gave their resources to Jesus. They were singing and laying down all they had. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm not there yet. I would love to be there. I want to be there. Lord, help me be there. But here's what we do. Listen, we always give people our leftovers. Our sobres. You know what I'm talking about? You go get a brand new coat and you give your old one to charity. I want to be the guy that goes, I'm going to give the new one to charity and keep the old one. That's, that's the heart of Jesus. I mean, here's the thing. Give, give it all. Give it all. The problem is, is that we've been taught to hold on to all of it, and it, and it, it, it disappears. Your resources, guys, all that you have, give to the Lord. I knew the church would be talking about giving. We're not even talking. I'm not. Okay, get the buckets out. We're going to do a special offering. Okay, y'all are going to have to dig deep. No, 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 no. This is what they they just they just gave to Jesus. When you recognize who he is, you'll give to him. What's the fourth thing? The fourth thing, guys, is they work together in harmony. They work together in harmony. You go, how so? Think about the whole scenario. The dude disciples got the donkeys. Part of the crowd decorated the road with palm branches. The others spread out coats. Some went ahead, announced Jesus is coming. Others swept behind and answered questions. So they all worked together in harmony to achieve Jesus' goal of, of, what? of rocking Jerusalem with the news that the Messiah King had come. It's the same for us. Guys, this week, we have a huge event. You go, Pastor, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You're doing an Easter egg hunt. That's not really saying Easter. No, no, here's what, let me, let me tell you the heart behind that. Kids and our city are going to do it anyway. So why not take what they're going to do Flip it on its head and get them here for church so they can hear the life-changing news. That's what I want. You know what? Listen, if we have to put a few eggs out there and, and, and love on some kids and say, okay, tomorrow, come, come back at 11 because that's where we're going to give away the bikes. And they come and they do children's church and the parents come in here and they get saved. Listen, it's going to take, it's going to take all of us working together. 
You go, what can I do? Show up. What can I do? It doesn't matter, but if we work in harmony. Why? Because we need people to go before, and we need people to set up, and we need people to lose the eggs, and we need people to sign people, we need people to pray, and we need people to clean up afterwards. We all work in harmony for one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say this again, okay? I want you to jot this down. Calvary Chapel is not here to build the church. It's to build God's kingdom. Well, pastor, wouldn't you like to see more people? Oh, absolutely. But that's not our goal. Our goal is to see people saved. Our goal is to see, I want to see people in heaven going, because, because I never attended your church, but I heard you on the radio. I never attended your church, but one of your, one of, one of the, the people who did, they were nice to me at the grocery store. They bought my drink and we got to talking. I gave my life to Jesus. That's what we want, guys. That's what we want. Verse 10. And when they had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nathalie. I mean, from, from Nazareth, Nathalie. <laughs> Let's strike that out, okay? This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth from Ga- See, Nazareth in Galilee is Nathalie, okay? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. At least I didn't say heart and fear. When he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Jesus also showed that he wasn't afraid of the chief priests, right? He comes up. He's like, let's go in, man. This is what it's, this is what it's all about. He knew they were plotting to kill him, yet he came openly to the city as the Messiah. Let me give you the fifth thing, okay? The fifth thing the disciples did, right, is they confessed the name and spread the good news, guys. You go, what do you mean? One way, guys, we can share the gospel is by using the name of Christ to explain what we believe about him. You go, what do you mean? Well, the first thing we saw was he was Lord, right? That's that's verses 3 and 9. Your king, verse 5, the son of David, verse 9, Jesus, verse 11, and the prophet, verse 11. Each of those names is packed with meaning of the good news. Here's my hope for you today, and I'm going to close with this, okay? I'm going to close with this. This week, guys, make it a point. Make it a point, guys, to go out, okay, take some cards with you, and tell people about Jesus. It starts with a real simple invitation. You're inviting them to an Easter egg hunt. How cool is that? And and I'm, it's the easiest way, right? Because it's weird when you go, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church. Well, I go to church somewhere else. Okay, hey, calm down. But when you go, hey, listen, I have you little ones. Do you, do you have, and when I was at Walmart, I carry a bunch of them. Hey, at Walmart, I'm at Walmart. Hey, do you have kids? I sure do. Hey, we're having an Easter egg hunt on Tuesday over here at A.B. Davis Park. Why don't you bring them? Oh, thank you. On the other side is the resurrection service. Now, listen, yes, we're going to register for the bikes and the giveaways over there, and you can't win unless you come here. But wow, what could God do with that? What could God do with that? Confess, guys. They confessed, and they spread the good news. You go, well, pastor, help me out here. How do you think you got here? Somebody had to tell, somebody had to tell, somebody had to tell, somebody had to tell. 
And you, were, and you heard it. Think of all the somebodies out there that haven't heard. Pastor, God wants to use our little church. God wants to use our little church. He wants to do big things in us. We're like tiny Israel, guys, against the giants. There's so much things we could do. So many things we could do. So let me ask you this. Have you today obeyed Jesus' commands? Have you? Or are you the kid that's dragging the trash through the house, stomping your feet, and you think, it's obedience? It's not. How about this? Have you today, in all sincerity, in all honesty, recognized that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's word? Have you? Has he touched your life? Has he changed your life? Have you given your resources to Jesus? Your gifts, your talents. Some of you can sing amazing. Some of you, I mean, it's, it's everything. Some of you have, have resources that we could use to take the gospel all over the world. Have you given your resources to Jesus? Have you stood before him and said, God, all I have is yours? Because nothing on this earth matters. Just give your stuff away. Just give it away. It's just tying us down anyway. Just give that stuff away. What do we need it for? When my dad was old, getting older in age, we used to go visit him and he would sit there and he would say, take it. What do I need that stuff for? Take what you want. Take what you want. No, dad, that's yours. I don't need it. I don't even use it. Take it. Take it. He had the right idea. He realized that's just stuff. Church, what would you rather have? Stuff or relationships? People in your lives? What would you rather have? I'd live, right? We, what, let's be honest. We'd live in a shack so we don't miss out of all the things that God has for us. We'd live in a shack if God called us to, to go two weeks out of the year to the mission field. Have you purposed in your heart to work in harmony with each other? That's what the disciples did. You're a disciple. Have, let's work in harmony together. Could you imagine if Josh was playing a key up here, right? And Justin decided to play a different key, and Lori decided to sing something different. And I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be harmonious, would it? We'd be going, "What are they doing?" But when everybody's in harmony, when everybody's playing in the right key, oh, what a great sound that is! That's what the body of Christ should do. And have you confessed his name? Have you, have you spread the good news? Have you spread the good news? Here's my prayer. Not only this week would we do that, but for the rest of our lives. We would obey God's word. We would smile. We would trust. And we would say, God, I'm going to follow you.
Hey, can I ask you a question? And I don't mean to I don't mean to embarrass you and I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just want you to think just a moment. And I and I would just rejoice with you if if here's my question. Are are you in a right relationship with God today? Have you totally surrendered and gave your life to Jesus? And listen, you go, Pastor, I'm still trying to figure this out. Hey, man, that's cool. That's cool. Nobody's going to force you. This is your decision. It's a major decision. But if you're here today and God's been knocking on your heart and he says, hey, you know what? I know you know a lot about me, but you don't know me and I want you to know me. I want you to fully surrender. What What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that's keeping you from knowing Jesus? Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. For what, Pastor? It's between you and God to say yes. What do I have to do? (sighs) We're going to pray in just a moment. And all you have to do in the quietness of your own heart is just lift up your hand so I can see you. Well, Pastor, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart, that that you're sincere and you're ready. Well, what's going to happen after that? We're just going to pray with you. We're just going to say, we love you. We want to get you on the right track. Amen. Good job. We love you. You go, Pastor, what if nobody raises their hand? Amen, then. Amen. You see, it's not about what if or what not. It's about saying, hey, listen, um, there's a party, and y'all are invited. I just want to make sure you have the right invitation. Because religion doesn't get us in. Only a relationship with Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for... Palm Sunday. Thank you that we're about to, Lord, for us, we call it Good Friday. It's not good. It wasn't good for you. It was good for us because it was the journey that led to the resurrection. So, Lord, I thank you for the word today. And I pray with every every, every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that says, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I think I want to a relationship with Jesus. I think I want to surrender my life to him. I don't, I don't know if I'm in a right relationship, but I want to be today. I, I knew you were talking and some things were happening in my heart. So today I surrender my life to you, to him. Would you pray for me? If that's you today, would you just simply lift your hand? I don't want to embarrass you. Nobody will see you, but you just go, Pastor, I want to know God. I want to know him. I want to be saved. I want to be invited to the party. Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to your heart, and he's been moving through the whole service, will you just lift up your hand? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. We praise you. We love you and we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.
888-382-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.